Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have Karen Jeffries from Hilariously Infertile, and we are so excited to have her here today. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. First of all, I want to ask, what? who's the musician in your house? Because I have seen the guitars in the background on your reels and stuff too. So yes, I am in my office, which I actually designed this office um, a few years ago before COVID. And my husband used to play the guitar and these, there's two of them. There's one, there's an acoustic and then there's, there's a Les Paul over there. You can't see. And he, like the guitars would just go from closet to closet to closet in my house. And it was driving me mad because then you don't have room to they're big when they're in yeah. their cases. They don't have any room to put anything else. So I was like, okay, screw this. I'm hanging them on the wall because it's storage and it actually looks decorative as well. So that it's a double idea. win. And as like, I like marketed it to him. It's like, oh, I love you so much. I did this for you. And meanwhile, it was like, get them out of my closets. Yeah. It's, it looks so good. It looks like you guys are like award-winning musicians. I know, right? I know, right? I'm like, where's my Grammy? Meanwhile, like, totally. <laughs> exactly. That's why I asked. You know? uh, that's, that's a great, a, a great fix. I think to closet clutter, put it on your wall. Yeah, just hang it on your wall. Yeah. yeah. Make it art. Um, so how did you start with Hilariously Infertile? Tell us a little bit of the backstory of where did that all come about? When, how, why, all the oh good. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I have PCOS and which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and hypothyroidism. And I had no idea that I had PCOS or that I was infertile before trying to get pregnant. And my husband and I were trying to get pregnant and I just wasn't getting my period for like months and months and months at a time. And I really didn't understand what was happening to my body. I was like, is this normal? Like, I'm just getting off the pill. What's going on? Um, And so after a number of months of trying and and then a few months of being just on Clomid and and trying, my gynecologist sent me to my, um, to my, to a fertility clinic down the street. And that's where we really got moving along with our fertility treatments. So I uh, did I did a number two rounds of Clomid with my gynecologist and then two IUIs with Clomid at the fertility clinic. And I got pregnant on the second IUI with my older daughter, Zoe, who is now in third grade. And, uh, um, and when Zoe turned about 18 months old, we knew we wanted to start trying for another child. We knew we wanted them hopefully around three years apart. And the fertility clinic basically was like, you shouldn't try on your own. Just come back to us. Like you don't ovulate, like basically like you need our help regardless. So, um, so we went back to the fertility, um, clinic and I did, it was like, it's hard to, to explain. Cause it's like, it was five IUIs with the first IUI, nothing happened. Like they don't even think I ovulated. So it was like really okay. four like possible IUIs or something could have happened. Um, but it was five months of Clomid again. And then, um, 
Yeah, you're shaking your head. She's like, this is miserable, miserable. Clomid crazies um, happen or not so much? Oh my God, so crazy. I was like, Clomid <laughs> made me binge eat. Like I would binge eat, like eat until I felt like I was going to be sick. Like it was really oh. weird and uncontrollable. And yeah, I felt totally insane. Um, so after all those rounds, I decided to move on to IVF. We did one round of IVF and uh, um, and it, we had a successful transfer that first round. And that was my daughter, Abby, who is now in kindergarten. And uh-huh. to go back to your question, which is how did Hilariously Infertile start? Hilariously Infertile started when I was on maternity leave with Abby. Um, I was helping a few friends and family, mem- family members through their infertility j- cycles, journeys, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. And um, my husband was like, you should write a book. Like, I remember we were washing dishes and he was like, you should write a book. Like you're helping people. And I was like, ha ha, like, <laughs> like, I don't have time to read a book. I'm not going to write right. a book, you know? And so I just laughed him off and sat down on the couch. And then I, I would say probably like a week or so later, I remember opening up my laptop and I just started writing and what came out of me, it came out really, really fast. And I wrote hilariously infertile the book in about five weeks And when I was writing it, it was so cathartic and so therapeutic, but also I I was writing it and I was like, this is funny. Like, how is this funny? You know, like, and it was, it was, I I was like, this is really funny. And then I showed it to my husband and he was like, uh, that's not really what I was thinking. Like he was thinking more of like a self-help book that was like really professional. And meanwhile, I'm talking about like, you know, discharge my vagina and all this stuff. And, and he, and I was like, but Jeff, that's how real women talk when real women are with their friends and with, in in their circle, like we talk like this. I was like, I know you guys don't, even this guy don't. So that's really how hilariously infertile started. And then everyone always asks which came first was it the book or the social media because from the followers perspective it was the social media but I actually wrote the book first and then I like tried to get it published and I don't know I I realized really quickly that you have to know someone in publishing to get published like like a random school teacher from New York doesn't just get published you know it's Simon and she's or wherever you know yeah so, so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get published. Now I was just devastated. And then one of my friends was like, you need to get on social media. You need a website. And I was like, ew, no, like I hate, I hate social media, you know, like I would, I never had, and I still, to this day, I still don't have a personal Facebook account because I'm a school teacher and I never wanted my students to, or my students' parents to find me. I just wanted to keep mm-hmm. some anonymity there. And I was like, no, I hate social media. And he was like, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And I started the social media and then it grew and grew and grew. And then I was like, okay, now it's time to publish the book. And I still self-publish the book because still people wouldn't, I still don't know anyone about publishing. Interesting. Yeah. That surprises me, especially, I mean, now are they not trying to knock your door down and be like, we'll do it in a second edition, third edition, whatever it may be. I mean, I wish, but no. Okay. (laughs) But we'll work on that as a side hustle for okay, you because yeah, I, I do have a couple of people that are doing it as we speak. So I wonder if I can connect you, but yeah. anyway, so here, I love the fact that you brought the comedy into it because you're right. That is kind of how we talk about it and in our own heads, right? Going through it, whether you're talking to your friends who get it or not, like when you're there with Wanda, you're like, oh my God, why do you even bother walk out the door to like see me naked? Cause you're going to see me naked in two minutes anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> 
Like, let's just like hurry up. Like, don't waste the time going out. Yeah. Like, why do we put the blue cloth there? Like, I always, I always talk about that. I'm like, is this just to make you feel better about like your life choices? Exactly. Like, it's, it's still me. Like, this is my vagina and this is my body. Like, it's all hundred percent, hundred percent. So before you wrote the book and your husband said that, did you, did you think you were funny before or did he like, was that even a thing in your like consciousness or you're like, oh my God, as I'm writing the book, I'm realizing that I'm funny. I was never funny in my life. No, I'm kidding. Yes. No, I, I was always, I'm the second born. So I was always like the goofball and like the funny, you know, person like I found myself funny so so yeah so I guess I mean I was never a comedian like people are always like oh are you a stand-up comedian and I'm like no like that's what I, I thought um, what'd you say that's what I thought I was like she had to be like a stand-up comedian and then went through IVF and then just like applied it because I was just like oh my god you're literally hilarious oh. so Thank you. No, everyone says that they're like, so do you have like a background in comedy? And I'm like, no, like, I don't have anything. Like I just came from a really dysfunctional family. I'm a school teacher. And I think those two things combined, just like equal comedian, like just from the get go. But, but no, I mean, we, my husband and I had a very lighthearted and very funny relationship and we were always making fun of each other or other things. And we we're always laughing. So it kind of just came naturally, but, um, but no, I don't have any background in like formal comedy or anything <laughs> That. And would you ever consider doing that now that you have this platform of this is kind of who you are? Yeah, I mean, I did um, last, I want to say last year, because 2020 was like such a, such a wash, right? I keep thinking back to like any memories I have of my life are all from 2019. I don't, is anyone else going through that? Like, sure. I'm like, oh, did that happen last year? And I'm like, no, that's 2019. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that was 2019. Um, so in 2019, in June, I did a comedy event at in New York City at on the Upper West Side. Um, and it's my whole entire like comedy spiel, which is basically an hour long story, I guess, of me standing up there, essentially paraphrasing my book. Um, and it's really funny and relatable. And um, uh, we videotaped it and a lot of the, the profits we, we donated to charity. So then, um, and it was great too, because I got to meet a lot of followers who came for it and get to meet them in person, which I really love. And then we did one in November of 2019 in Boston um, because, and like, everyone's always like, oh, why? Like, because I happen to be big cities. Like we live right outside New York city. So that was easy. And my husband's family is all from Boston. So that was easy. And then like, I was hoping to do one in, in Chicago because my sister lives there. Like, we're not like, there's not like a hilariously infertile tour bus. Like it's literally like me crashing at my family house, right? Family's <laughs> houses. So, um, so yeah, so those events are really fun and I would love to do, to do more of those, but, um, but yeah, again, I don't have any background in it. It's just kind of, it's just kind of me telling my story. And did that feel natural when you were like up on this actual stage? Like, okay, this is official. I'm doing this now. Did it feel good? Yeah, it did. It felt really natural. I had done like versions of that speech, a little bit more, um, PG versions of that speech for like doctor's offices and clinics as like a motivational speech for their, um, for their staff members. And I was like, this is, this is funny. And I wanted to get like a reel so that I could, um, if people were interested in working with me, I'd be like, well, this is a little sample. So that's why we, you know, we did it. And then we're like, let's make an event out of it. Let's do it this way. And then it kind of blew up into this thing. But, um, but yeah, it did feel very natural. My mother was like, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, mom, like you stand up in front of children all day long it's really no different you're just in front of grown-ups you know it's like the same thing so yeah that's so great and do you think like your comedy came from so like I lost my mom when I was four and I always became like the funny kid and I think it's because like 
I had that pain and I felt like I was trying to compensate somehow by being like the funny one do you think that like your journey was painful and maybe you were trying to find like humor in it to lighten it for yourself or do you think it was just like you were literally just like I just want to make light of the situation um you know I like to to keep the perspective of in terms of my infertility journey I think that I really didn't have it as hard as a lot of the, my followers and a lot of people who follow me and a lot of the stories I've heard. And I like to really keep perspective on that because it's easy for me to, to look back on it in a funny way when I'm talking about my husband's sperm donation and the wand and this and the shots and all that stuff. And it's funny in hindsight, because like, I didn't have the most tragic stories that I've heard some of my followers have. So I think that I like, I like to keep perspective on that. Not because, um, not for any other reason, just to really pay homage to the fact that like my story isn't as bad as it, as, as a lot out there. Um, I think in terms of the funny part of it, I just, I think that the comedy comes from like coming more so from like a kind of dark family background, you know, and just always, always making fun of things. And, um, and then when this happened, like, I think I'm the type of person, like, if someone doesn't want to talk about, about something, like, I'll just talk about it a lot and like make them feel really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So, so I think that's kind of the way it was too. And I, and I will talk about, you know, discharge with my girlfriends in a public restaurant. Like, I don't care, you know, it can already be my girlfriend. So I think it kind of came from like, just that brutal honesty and just that brutal, like, this is it just laid out and this is how it is. No, I get that. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I'm like, the, I'm definitely the most open out of our whole group. And my friends are always like, you know, shh, we're in a restaurant and I'm like, what, why? Because I said penis, you know, and they're yes. like, oh my God, stop, you know? And it's like, but I love that. I, I just like, you know, just be yourself. Who cares? Like, who cares who's listening? Like, whatever, let them hear the story, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot of my humor is like self-deprecating humor because you can't take yourself too seriously. And I think that that a lot of it is just like, oh, like just laughing at the ridiculous parts of, of infertility, which are, you know, the shots and, and the, and the sperm samples and getting the wand every day and still making it to work. And like all this stuff, that's all like the most, the failed cycles and finding out that, you know, so-and-so is pregnant and so-and-so is pregnant and all that stuff. And that's the ridiculous part of it that people think is, is sad. And it is, but if you, if you make it a joke, I always say that, or you make fun of it, then like you own it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, you're not a victim of it. You own it, you know? Yeah. And I love that you come to the, come to the table with the perspective of humor, because for me as a fertility coach, everybody's like holding on so tight, right. To their end goal and you being in their feed just lightens them for like, you know, even that 15 seconds or whatever it is. And it's like, if they can get more of those moments throughout their day to just breathe and laugh us like for a half a second, it really does change and shift your mindset. Right. It's like, okay, I can go on and think that this is funny. Cause really it is, even though it's so, so heavy, I just am so grateful for you again, coming up in the feed as a, just a different way of being because there is so much that's so heavy and so scientific and, you know, so stressful on a day-to-day basis and whatever. And so do you realize the impact that you are having on this community in that way of like showing up in the way that you do, because they see all of us in a different way of like, here's what you need to learn. Here's what you have to do. And here, you know, but you're just like, Hey, 
here's, it is what it is. And this is what, you know, and it's so refreshing. Do you, do you realize that impact? Thank you so much for saying that. Um, I don't, I don't know if I do. I'm not, I, I just, my whole goal with hilariously infertile is, and you kind of hit the nail on the head and what you just said just now is that like, I've always said since day one, if I can make one person who's having a hard day, if I can make them smile or, or laugh, then I feel like I'm good. And I just, it's, I, I do feel like I am doing that on a daily basis. So I guess in a way, yes, but at the same time, I still feel like there's so many people out there who don't know about hilariously infertile or, or are just suffering alone. And like, that's my big thing too. Like you, you don't need to be suffering in silence. You don't need to be alone for this. So, um, so I, I, I hope I am, I mean, I, I really hope I am helping people and I hope that, that it does, um, you know, help the light in their day if they're having a bad day. And how do you come up with your content? Like, is it easy for you to just come up with these reels and the sketches and the, what, like, is, tell us about that a little bit. It's so funny you say that because people will say things and they'll be like, it's as though you're going through infertility treatment right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they say that to me and I'm like, oh, that's good, I guess. Like, I want, I want that. I want people to think that because everyone always like thinks that hilariously infertile is about me as an individual. And it's really not at all. Like I didn't have hilariously infertile when I was going through infertility treatments and what hilariously infertile is about is about the followers and about the patients who are still out there and who are still going through it and helping them through their day. So, um, so I'm glad that people think that I'm, that I'm still going through it. I just, it was really traumatizing. And when you continue, like when you're in it for however many years, and then when you write a book about it and you've devoted this whole section of your life to it, it just keeps it all really, really fresh. And so I'll see funny things like watching TV and I'm like, oh, that would be a funny, you know, gif or whatever, or, or I'll see this, or I'll read a lot of my followers comments about what they're going through, where their messages to me. And that inspires me a lot too. So it's just all the feelings that people feel when you're going through infertility, but I just put it out there. And you put it out there very well, I may add. Thank you. <laughs> so is your book pretty much like about your journey um, with some funnies in there? Or is it like, what is the actual book about? So yes, so the book is about my journey, my, my husband's and my journey through infertility. It also talk, talks a little bit about being a new mom and like how hard that is and how I was so not prepared for that after going through infertility and knowing that I wanted this, like my whole life, you know, had led up to this and then having a baby and being like, oh my God, like, what do I do? Like, this is so hard right. um, to then going through it again and, and having a toddler. And then it ends with, um, the birth of my second daughter, which she was born completely in the amniotic sac, mm. which is like really, really rare. And, and that's where it ends. So it just talks about everything, everything. So, and I never, like, I never knew I was infertile. I had no idea. So it just talked about finding out having like what, you know, kind of like your whole world collapsing and then, and then getting through it all and, and, and everything in between. And it talks about sex and it talks about everything which is always a fun, like goofy subject to talk about. I love, <laughs> always uncomfortable sometimes, but like always funny to like yes. incorporate it. Um, where can everyone find your book? Yeah. So you can find it um, on my website. If you're international, there's um, a better link for international people, but you can find it on Amazon. You can find it anywhere where, where books are sold. Um, there's an ebook, but it's called Hilariously Infertile, One Woman's Inappropriate Quest to Help Women Laugh Through Infertility by Karen Jeffries. But you can find it. You can, if you search it, you'll be able to hopefully find it. Great. 
And now you're a, still a teacher. Tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day is these days. So um, I teach fourth grade dual language outside of New York City, Spanish and English. I'm fluent in Spanish. And um, this year, because of COVID, so last year I was working and I worked up until the end of June. I had every intention of going back to work in September. And then I got the, the information on my daughter's schedules and basically they would only be going to school two days a week. And I just remember thinking like, that's a lot of days not in school. And so I um, looked into my options and I ended up taking this year off. So I am the stay at home, momming it and hilariously infertiling it. Um, I'm also writing another, another book, which is good. So I have more time to do that. And it's hard. It was a really, really hard decision for me because being part of the, the Hispanic community and, and servicing the, and helping them and teaching them is something that is like so ingrained in me. And it's such part of, of my world and my identity that not doing it for, for years, really, really hard. I felt and still feel really guilty about not being there for my co-teachers and, and for my team members during such a difficult time. Like I wish I could be there and help with some of the workload, but looking back on this, this was, it was the right decision for my girls. There have been a number of times where we've had to, I mean, we got COVID over last summer, but we had, we've had to quarantine. We've had to do this. We've decided to travel, you know, at this time. So we had a quarantine before that. And my daughter had eye surgery. So we had a quarantine before that. So like, if it, if I wasn't home, they would, they would be, you know, with a, a caregiver who's not necessarily a, a school teacher. And that would have been really a lot of missed time for them, especially in kindergarten yeah. and third grade. So, um, so yeah, so I am going back to school in September. I'm very excited. And, uh, um, and yeah, I just, I, I miss it a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you are missed. So are most of your students Spanish speaking, learning English or vice versa? They're all Span- native Spanish speakers learning okay. English as a second language. Some were born here. Some um, are, you know, newer recent al- arrivals, but they're all native Spanish speakers. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah. we, we're in the opposite. My kids are in a dual a Spanish immersion school where we're tr- teaching them to learn Spanish. That's so great. Yeah. I've done that program too. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure, and it sounds like the universe just worked out perfectly for you and your family this year too, with all everything you said that just went down. So yeah, sounds like it was a win-win. Yeah, it was. I mean, there were times where I was like, oh my gosh, like, thank God I'm taking off this year because I don't know how I would have even kept up with all the things that were going on in, in my daughter's lives and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, it is, it is hard. And I miss, like, I miss being at work and I miss also like the stress, like for me and my, in my body, some people's bodies work with stress differently, but I like stress and it, and it helps me. And so not having enough of that, like, I'm like, okay, now what do I need to do? What do I need to do? You know, (laughs) work better under pressure. Yeah, I think so. So when can we expect a second book then? That's pretty exciting. I don't know. It's so funny. My daughter asked me that the other day. She was like, what are you up to now in your book? And I was like, oh, I'm up to the summer between um, undergraduate and graduate school. And she's like, great job, mom. Last time you were in 10th grade. (laughs) 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 Which I just thought was so funny because it's really tracking my whole life. It's it's a lot longer to write and a lot harder to write. So I, I have no idea. I would say probably not for another year at least. Yeah. That's yeah. so exciting. Good for you. And then back to the hilariously infertile tour. Mm-hmm. I think you should make that happen. We want you to come to LA and San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. So we'll see if we can get that off the ground too. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I would love that. I would love, you know, to, to keep doing that. And again, like it's, it's really about bringing it out to my, to my followers. And I think a great thing about those events when we did them is that you're in a room surrounded by people that are, are ex- in the exact same situation you were in. You know what yeah. I mean? So if you have that feeling of like, I'm alone, I'm going through this alone, like just look around and like my New York city one was sold out. There's over a hundred people there, wow. you know? So you're not alone. And like everyone, when I say things on, on stage, you see all the heads like nodding like this, even the men, women doesn't matter. Yes, they all get it. That's so yeah. Funny. They all get it. Yep. <laughs> and I, I do think that there's like a bigger movement right now happening with awareness, right. Of just opening up the conversation around it. And I think the more that people are knowing that these things are out there, books and tours and whatever, it just makes you feel less alone when it, if, and when it does ever happen to you, you know, we would not wish it on anybody, but in the event that it does, you know, that there's so many others that understand what you're going through. Yeah, exactly. And even if it's like one of the most obscure situations, like health wise that you're going through, that's like, you think is so specific to you. Like there are, you can still find other people and connect with them that are going through something very similar. So that's a great point. Yeah. So where can everyone find you now? Okay, so you can go to my website, which is www.hilariouslyinfertile.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, which is at hilariously underscore infertile, where you can just search it. I just search things. I never know everyone's handles. I just like search it. Um, so yeah, and those, those, and you can always email me and, and DM me. I'm a real person. People think I'm not a real person or that I like don't do, they'll be like, well, have your people contact my people. And I'm like, no, my people is like, it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> You're looking at my people. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm all the people. So yeah, you can just email me and I will email you back when I can. And so, yeah, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, easy to find. So Great. I have t-shirts and stuff like that too. And that's on the, the website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time. And, you know, thank you for being such a light to the community and everything, because you really are like the only one that I know personally, that is really, you know, making people laugh about, you know, su- such a like hard subject. So I think it's great that you're bringing that light to the community. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Thanks so much. That was so nice of you. Thank you. Oh. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much. You too. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today, and we will see you next time.